Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Well, I hope the morning has been great for you so far. Welcome to City Collective. I promise we have some more Christmas songs on the way. Our team's been working hard and we're really looking forward to spending this month together in a variety of different ways. We love this season. I love this season and we're really looking forward to being together online. We're starting a new series this morning called Emmanuel. We're in the middle of a time called Advent. And if you're unfamiliar with this phrase, Advent is a special time in the church every year where we join in the history of God's people who have been waiting for his redemption. Uh, Advent, it simply means arrival. And so we celebrate that God has arrived. He has come in the flesh, in Jesus, and accomplished salvation. And we remember, we wait, and we anticipate that he's coming again. So this season of Advent is a great opportunity to remember the great joy, the, the, the hope and peace that Christ has brought to us, that Christ has made available to us. And this, this title of uh, Emmanuel, it comes from the beginning of Matthew when the angel Gabriel, he comes with news of this miraculous conception to Mary and, and he delivers the name that is going to be above every other name, Emmanuel, Jesus. Now, obviously the baby's name would be Jesus, but the word Emmanuel remains true and significant as it means God with us. Now for me, I, I don't know if there's another idea that I need to be reminded of more than that in this season. Because can we be honest for a second and just admit that this second wave, reintroduced restrictions and all that's come with it, has hit us a little harder. I know it's hit, hit me a little harder. This week's been tough. I've, I felt like I was just tired, procrastinating, lacking a, a certain pep in my step. And, and here's the thing that I am constantly reminded of. As I prepare to share with you on Sunday mornings, the, the messages that I preach, I wholeheartedly believe that they are for all who are listening. However, I discover over and over again, I'm reminded over and over again that they are just as much for me as they are for those who are listening. So we, as we step into our Advent series, know that we're talking about hope because I need it and how to deal with dark times because we need it. So we're going to Psalm chapter 130 this morning with the howlets leading us in our reading. Let's join together. Psalm 130, a song of ascent. Out of the depth I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Thank you to Margaret, Hannes, and Elliot for bouncing us through our How You Doing segment and to Jane and Mitchell for their reading of Psalm 130. I know every week we, we get to hear from these different voices and, and this is the feedback I get all the time. 
how much you love seeing one another as part of the service. Now, I'm not taking that personally or anything. You get a lot of me on our platform here at City Collective, but the truth is the beauty of our church community is that it is a diverse collection of people and stories that make up what really is a family. So thanks for leading us this morning. Jane, Mitchell, the Teasons, we love you. Now, perhaps uh, you're wondering why we're bothering looking at a psalm this morning. It is Christmas after all, but this idea of hope, this concept of hope, I think is one that's brought into beautiful clarity by Psalm chapter 130. This psalm, it describes what it means to hope and wait on God, to celebrate and to remember, but also to look forward to the redemption of the world. And when it comes to the psalmist, where much of the Bible, I think it speaks to us, the psalms, in many ways it speaks for us. The psalmist gives language to our struggle in the depths of our darkness. Now, in 1965, Martin Sliegman, he discovered learned helplessness. He found that when animals are subjected to difficult situations they cannot control, they stop trying to escape. They become really passive. And here's the thing. I think human beings are, are the same in a lot of ways, that if you experience defeat, if you experience failure, if you experience a persistent situation that you can't change or an event that you could not control, then we can fall into the trap of losing hope for future possibility or real change. Apathy and hopelessness can set in and it might be puzzling to those around us, but this is what we experience. Why, they, they think to themselves, why wouldn't you try to get a job, make friends, eat healthier, or leave someone who, who isn't right for you? When you have no hope, you see any effort to change or move forward in your life as simply futile. And you blame yourself. You might say that you can't manage life, you, you can't make friends, you can't succeed in getting a job. And we're overwhelmed by the depths of our despair, by the darkness of the moment, and we aren't sure what to even do. We're not even sure what we can do what the psalmist does at the beginning of the chapter and cry out. Hope is what we need. And when we don't have it, our lives look so much different. When you don't have hope, you don't have energy or motivation, and what's the use of reaching out to meet people? You're, you're sure you'll be rejected. Why bother uh, exercising or, or cleaning or, or volunteering? It won't really make a difference. You'll, you'll always be stuck and anxious and unemployed or, or just in the situation that's making you miserable and you don't want to risk the pain of further disappointment by even trying. Does that sound like something that has ever crossed your mind? And unfortunately, this painful despair and resignation sets up as a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you have no hope, no belief that any action that you take will make any difference, then that may well be the outcome. Here's the thing, I so believe this, that hope is a powerful force. When you know what you hope for most and hold it like a light within you, it begins to shape your life. Listen to me this morning. Do you carry hope? If so, what do you hope for in this life? What is the thing that until you get it, contentment will always elude you? And how long would you be willing to wait for it? Because isn't that the kicker? 
that the idea of hope is not isolated to this spur of the moment, it happens all at once. Waiting seems to go hand in hand with it. And this season is one where we remember to wait and anticipate, not out of anxiety, but out of hope. The Bible is a story of hope, and hoping in God is the theme that extends from the very first pages all the way to the end of Scripture. But what does it mean to wait on God, and what does hoping in God look like in our lives? Psalm 130, I think it gives us an amazing place to start. I think it's a really special psalm. You'll have heard it labeled as the Song of Ascent. We put that up on the screen earlier. It's part of the group of 15 psalms that bear that title, a song of ascent. And what these psalms are used for is that they would be sung by God's people as they approach to worship in God's presence. As the Jewish people would walk up the road to Jerusalem, a, a city on a hill, during one of the annual appointed feasts, they would sing these songs of ascent. Now, if there is a time of year where music is tied to a season, I would say that Christmas is that time. I understand that for some of you, this is a contentious issue. You hear Christmas music starting in November and you get a little agitated. You hear someone humming in March and you begin to question their sanity. I get it, I hear you, I get it. And, and, and Mariah Carey and you, they don't, you don't particularly see eye to eye. Whereas those of you that love the season, that love the music, you are perfectly good with Christmas music getting rolling earlier in the year. A little Christmas pop, a little Christmas classic, and of course those beautiful Christmas carols that just make you a little happier. And it happens every year. And it captures our attention. And whatever side of this equation you find yourself on, I, I, I think we can agree that music has an association with the season with the images, with an experience, with the impending celebrations. And these songs of an ascent have an association for the people of Israel as well. As they are climbing to be in the presence of God, they, they remember their desperation. And they also remember that deliverance is coming. It's this incredibly powerful image of what hope can look like on your journey. That you need to sometimes speak it out, sing it out, shout it out, even when you are in the midst of walking through it. Now with that, we, we need to define hope because we use hope in a, a lot of different ways and I'm not sure it's always used in the biblical way. Uh, most of the time when we use the word hope, it is synonymous with the idea of a wish. It's just wishful thinking. It's like me saying to Adriana, I hope I get a Bernese Mountain Dog for Christmas. And Adriana is saying, I hope we win the lottery so we can have a yard big enough for that big dog that you so desperately want. It's this wishful thinking. Sometimes hope is this vague optimism. Um, I, I, I hope tomorrow is, is better than today. I have no reason to think that it should be, but I hope for it to be true. This, this blind, slightly vague optimism. At, at best, hope is often used to refer to that thing which is our last ditch effort. If this doesn't work, I don't think anything else will. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. That one's just for you, Mike Ritchie. 
Um, I think that this is getting close to it, but there is something so much more to be found. I think hope is something that we, if we can capture the idea of it, it can change our life. Henry Nguyen, he says that while optimism makes us live as if someday soon things will go better for us, hope, hope frees us from the need to predict the future and it allows us to live in the present with the deep trust that God will never leave us alone but will fulfill the deepest desires of our heart. Hope is something more. And in this text, there are two words that dominate it and need some special attention. And I think that we can talk about it this morning. And those two words are wait and hope, especially around verses five and six of chapter 130. Now, every time the word hope appears at the root, it is the Hebrew word yahal, which means to hope and to wait. The first time we see it in the Bible is in the story of Noah. After the rain stops, Noah sends out a series of birds to find dry land, and he says that he did this, he yahaled, and he wait-hoped. He was anticipatory, he was waiting, but he was hoping that a positive outcome would arrive with this hopeful anticipation. But there's another word in the text for wait, which is a different Hebrew word, and that's kava, which also means to wait, but it's interesting because it's connected to another word that means cord, like a rope. Now, this is the question I have. Why would we get a word for weight from the word cord? Imagine uh, a, a rope connecting two opposing items, pulling back and forth, and that rope is caught in tension. So this idea of waiting is this tension, holding tension between two things and waiting for something to break that tension. That tension is described in many of the Psalms. The Psalmist often is caught in difficult circumstances and yet he waits and holds on to hope. The difficulty, the depth, the darkness on one side and then the hope that God will deliver on the other. They stand in tension. And if there isn't an idea that is descriptive of our year, is I so think that it falls into this area of tension. We live in a world that is incredibly tense. It is polarized politically, ideologically, culturally, morally. It seems that every issue is defined by the loudest voices found on the far-reaching sides of whatever spectrum that is being considered. We are in this constant state of tension. And what is our response? Well, I don't know about you. But in a moment of tension, I can be guilty of simply trying to find a solution. Do I have any other solution-based individuals listening? This has been and continues to be a consistent area of growth for me in my marriage. That whenever I sense tension between Adriana and I, it happens. I enter into problem-solving, solution-providing, make things better because I want to be the best husband mode. Maybe you've seen that popular commercial. It was, it was out a couple years ago that was making the rounds uh, and it was playing out a common relational dynamic between a husband and a wife. The wife is trying to explain that she has this massive headache and there is this giant nail coming out of the front of her forehead and the husband who I can empathize with is just trying to tell her that there is a clear solution to her problem. I get this. I don't wanna sit in the tension. I want to move past it. I want to rush through it. I have so much trouble cavine. 
waiting. See, waiting is not a popular attitude. It's not something that people think upon in, in, a, in a good manner in general. In fact, most people consider waiting a waste of time. Perhaps this is because in culture we live this, this basic saying, get going, do something, show me that you're able to make a difference. Don't just sit back and wait. But my in misinterpretation of waiting is sabotaging my ability to hope. My rushing past the tension is revealing where my hope is placed, myself. So it strikes me that the invitation of Advent is to wait. But it's not wishful thinking, it's rooted in the promises of God. Romans 12 verse two, it says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and continuing steadfastly in prayer. That sounds like living in the tension. Biblical hope is an anticipation or longing for a future that is better than today. It is holding the tension of the real threat of your circumstances that might feel like insurmountable obstacles, but at the same time fighting to never let go of the promises of God. We are in that tension. And here's the struggle I think we ultimately run into. We can hold hope for others, but many times it is difficult to hold a sense of hope for ourselves. Have you been there? We think we see all the details. We know all of our shortcomings. We know our failures. And hope is a distant dream for ourselves because we are in the depths of our own darkness. We can see it for someone else, but it's hard to see for ourselves. Today's psalm, Psalm 130, is speaking for us in our troubles. It speaks of a painful aspect of our human experience. When we say to ourselves, I'm in trouble and it's my fault, I'm the one that caused it. So we're not only dealing with, with despair and, and difficulty and darkness, but we're dealing with guilt. And we find ourselves thinking, well, God must be punishing me for what I did. Now, this was a common view in Old Testament times. The, the idea that if you were suffering, you have obviously done something wrong and God is punishing you for it. And, and this view is often still with us. We still hear people who are going through hardship asking, what have I done to deserve this? I know I've been there. It's so easy to fall into that line of thinking and to lose all hope. We, we, we don't really know what it means to cry out for God to move in our world until we embrace a humility to cry out for God to move in ourselves. We need to start looking within and start to believe that hope is possible for us as well. I wonder what depths you're experiencing that would cause you to actually cry out to God with a sense of hope. Maybe it's the depths of grief at the loss of a loved one or panic as you find yourself in, in a serious financial situation. Maybe it's the pain of the breakup of a relationship or, or conflict with, with your children or with parents. Maybe it's the unexpected diagnosis of a, a serious illness that you just can't find relief from. Maybe it's a sense of guilt at some things you've done and a fear that God has turned his back on you and abandoned you. You are in the tension. You're waiting to make some sense, but it, it, you really don't want to be there. It's not all that appealing. You're trying to rush through it. So how does the writer of Psalm 130 deal with this experience? Where does he find hope in the midst of his despair? 
Well, I think he does something really beautiful that speaks to our story this morning. First, the, the writer, he arrives at what seems to be a, a conclusion that would be surprising to, to many of us. What is it? Well, it's simply this. He says God keeps no record. So if God was sending thunderbolts to strike sinners dead, there'd be no one left standing. We tend to think of sinners as people who are guilty of some particularly heinous sin. And what we classify as heinous sins changes within our culture all the time. To some people, it's anything to do with sex. To others, it's anything to do with social injustice. In the Middle Ages, it was daring to charge interest when you lent money to anyone. Sin has changed in that, di- that cultural definition. Sin, in reality, is anything that separates us from us and God. Jesus tells us to love God and love our neighbors. And if we have fallen short this week in this area, then we're included. And I don't say this to shame you. I say this to help us understand what the psalmist reflects on. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone needs a savior. And the God of the universe is not one to keep record of wrong. He's a God who forgives. Verse 4 says, but there is forgiveness with you so that you may be revered. Though the wording might seem strange to us, but this with you language is actually the way the writer is pointing out our reasons to hope. In verse 4 he says, but with you there's forgiveness. And in verse 7, for with the Lord is unfailing love, steadfast love. And with him is full redemption. And with these three, with you, with him, characteristics, they turn out to be the things that give us hope in our despair. God with us. God with us means we're forgiven. God with, with, it, with us means that we're shown steadfast, stubborn love. God with us means that we find hope in redemption. It isn't wishful hope we're invited to discover, but a confident hope, a living hope that is discovered in a God who forgives, a God who loves, and a God who redeems. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope Fill you with all the joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the truth of City Collective Family. Sometimes the Spirit's power delivers us from the things that are binding us. And sometimes the Spirit gives us the strength to keep going even though we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes the greatest gift of the Spirit is to give us a sense that we're not alone. That God is with us. Right down there in our depths. And when we are despairing and struggling, God refuses to let us go. I don't like tension, but I need hope. And when I'm in my tension, I most definitely need hope. When I'm in my despair, I need hope. I need hope. You need hope. Our families need hope. Our communities need hope. Our nation needs hope. Our world needs hope. And the arrival of Jesus is that hope. Matthew 12, 21 makes it clear that Jesus is the hope of the world. Hope came into the world where tension was present, where issues existed, where loneliness was invading, where there was a tremendous burden to carry, but hope still came. 
there's this beautiful quote from Immanuel Kant, and he says that happiness is found when we have something to do, something to love, and something to hope for. So you know what? Wait well in the tension. That's something to do. Love God and love people. That's something to love. And something to hope for? Well, that's the promise of steadfast love, of, of a trust that we will be shown that love, shown that forgiveness, given that redemption that is promised in the character of God. Holding on to hope is not simply letting go of the struggle to relieve the tension. It is inviting God into our depths because we believe that He will meet us there. God with us. Emmanuel. This past year, I've had so many conversations with people who feel like their lives have God being uniquely distant. He, he, he doesn't hear them, he isn't answering them, he has left them alone, and maybe you can relate. If you've ever felt alone and, that God, and God is far away, well, we've, we've been there, but the promise in our despair is that God, the God of forgiveness, the God of steadfast love, the God of rescue is always with us. And in this place, we've placed our hope. Hear me, Christmas isn't canceled. Jesus still came to earth and you and I are still called his beloved. So what in this life is the thing that overwhelms you and makes you feel like you're drowning? Like you can't get your head above water, like you can't get air. Some of you might be feeling darkness today, but life is possible because God works in the dark. Christianity does not promise that when you come to Jesus, all your problems go away. In fact, we're guaranteed to face tribulation and difficulty. But here's the truth, God with us, God works in the dark. In the belly of the fish, Jonah discovers God's unending grace because God works in the dark. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal and he experienced incredible darkness and he wrote a book called Lamentations and in his darkness, God reveals himself to Jeremiah because God works in the dark. Elijah the prophet was afraid for his life and while it was night, God came in a still small voice and Elijah got a revelation of who God is. Why? Because God works in the dark. The, the, the people of Israel, as they were journeying on their exodus, they were led by night. Why? Because God works in the dark. And if God works in the dark, life is possible when it is dark. And hope is possible when it is dark. Peace is possible when it is dark dark. Joy is possible when it is dark. Some of you might feel beaten and overwhelmed today. You might feel stuck in the dark. Hope is possible. Healing is possible. Rescue is possible. Forgiveness is possible. Joy, peace, redemption is possible. Why? Because Jesus came and the character of God is one of new things, of forgiveness, of, of peace, of joy, of redemption, and of a place of hope that we can find all good things. God works in the dark and we need to cry out. We need to learn to sit in our tension and we need to invite God in to hold on to the hope that came into the world, Jesus, Savior. King, Lord, Emmanuel. In this Advent season and this idea of hope, we're invited to wait and anticipate the coming King. 
with hope in our hearts, knowing that we've all fallen short, that we've all made mistakes, but the character of a God that chooses to be with us is one that says, I forgive you, I love you, and I redeem you, I change you, I move you forward into the better future that I so desperately want for you. City Collective, if you don't know this Jesus, if you feel like you are just drowning and trying to catch your head up for air, I would invite you, would you just calm yourself this morning? Would you close your eyes with me? Would you open up your heart and just invite the God who wants to be with us into our lives to discover anew again, or maybe for the very first time, that steadfast, stubborn love that came for you and for me. That's something we can place our hope in. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks that in this season of waiting, we wait with expectation and anticipation. We wait knowing that hope is on the horizon. We wait believing that our best days are yet to come because we place our trust in you. Thank you that as we lean in from our different spaces in our homes that your presence meets us there. For those of us who have felt such an absence of, of you in this season, that we've been wondering where you've gone, oh God, I just pray that you would reveal yourself, that you'd give us courage to hope again, to ask again, to believe again, to cry out again, and believe that hope is possible even within our darkness. And as we are searching through our darkness, Father, I just pray that we surround ourselves with the things that bring light into the world. Our, our families, our communities, our church, your word, a time of prayer let light shine into the darkness because the darkness cannot comprehend it we believe that hope is going to be interjected into every dark situation right now in jesus name we believe for a healing in our community a healing within our families a healing within our city so that we're not dependent on structures or on things all the way around us but we just go to you above all things and we come and we find that our hope is placed in something more in you, Jesus. Thank you for coming into our brokenness, into our darkness, and providing the hope we need for tomorrow. We give you thanks. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Enjoy.